Welcome to The How of Car Washing, the podcast that helps the car wash owner, operator, and manager address the challenges and opportunities associated with building and running automated car washes in today's fast-paced environment. And now, here are your hosts, David Begin and Henry Lopez. Hello, Car Wash Nation. This is David Begin. Welcome to this episode of The How of Car Washing. Today, my guest is Aaron Green, who's the CEO of Focused Car Wash Solutions in Denver, Colorado. Aaron and I have been good friends for the last 10, one of the first car washers I met in the car wash business after I got started, but we've been great friends probably for about 12 years, I think now. And uh, Aaron's evolved uh, over time. He was a car wash owner operator for a while. Now he owns a distributorship in Denver and he helps uh, people who are starting out in the car wash industry uh, kind of get things figured out, helps them build and run car washes. So Aaron, thanks for joining me. Appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me, David. Yeah, you, you know, we, it's probably 14 years. Probably has been. I think, I think it was like, uh, I think obviously I started in 2006 and I think uh, you, you and I got introduced shortly after that. And that's when we started our discussions. Aaron and I talked quite a bit about car wash issues. So it's, you know, we, we don't always get going to, we don't always get to record them. This one we're going to record because we've been talking about this. It was a blog that uh, Aaron was writing and I said I think it'd make a great podcast and and so we we decided to go ahead and do it and I'm kind of looking at his blog and if people want to read the blog where would you send them to Aaron? You would go to focusedcarwash.com we have a little blog section there and um, industry information and just just different things but that's where we write our blog and um have interesting information sometimes and topics like this come up um, as I'm, as, as I'm doing more now, right. With, uh, with other people and seeing more technology. And I I think this is a very interesting world that we're headed into. Yeah. Yeah. And we're starting to see some of the, uh, we're starting to see some technologies come together that, uh, that are really becoming interesting. And so, um, so what I did this morning on talk car wash, so those of you who aren't familiar with talk car wash, if you've got a Facebook account, go out to talk car wash and, you know, ask to be a member. And it's where thousands of car wash operators get together and talk about issues and complain and get excited and everything else. But this morning in preparation for our podcast, what I did is I asked, uh, people, I said, which technology, uh, as far as. So what Aaron and I are going to talk about, first of all, I guess I better introduce it, is we're talking about uh, club technology. So, uh, you know, right now the prevailing technology is RFID tags. The up-and-coming technology or newer technology might be license plate recognition technology. There might be something completely out there different. Uh, But, uh, you know, I did a quick poll on Talk Car Watch because you can do that on Facebook. And I asked which technology do they think is going to win out as the main technology for identifying vehicles for clubs, the vast majority of people thought that license plate recognition technology was going to win out. So we had 69 votes for that. We had seven votes for RFID technology, three votes for something else. And I'm not sure what that could be, but, um, and then there was a lot of people that made comments about it. Uh, predominantly the comments were people thought that, that uh, license plate recognition technology was going to win out. So, Aaron and I got talking about this and, and we thought we'd kind of discuss both the pros and cons of what we're finding uh, to be out there in the marketplace. And I primarily use RFID technology, which is interesting. And 
Aaron's got a lot more familiarity with LPR. And so we've kind of been debating this back and forth. And so let's talk about some of the, what are some of the main macro trends that we're seeing with clubs right now, Aaron, can you, I'll give my impression, but what do, what are some of the things that are changing with clubs that are, we're having to contend with? Well, you know, I would say that the, the biggest change, you know, and it, it, it's probably occurred in the last five years, maybe six years. Um, I was a very early adopter of a, an ag- aggressive club program, but um, it used to be that, you know, you looked at a club program and if somebody had one, they were losing money. They didn't understand. They were washing cars too cheap. They didn't, you know, that was kind of the prevailing thought process if people had a, an aggressive club program. Now the, it, the trend is completely flipped. And if you don't have one, you're behind the times, you're losing money, you're not maximizing the profitability of your company. But with that shift, what has changed dramatically is the number of members. Right, right. And prior to this shift, you know, if a site had two, three, four hundred members, they were doing really well. And today, you know, we have sites that have over 6,000 members. Yeah, I actually heard, I heard yesterday that there's some individuals that have over 16,000 members per site. You know, that's just, that's just crazy, right? <laughs> I mean, that's, <laughs> that's a lot, man. I think about that and I just have nightmares thinking yeah. how to manage 16,000. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, so the, the big mega trend is there's a lot more, it's becoming more prevalent. I think, yep. I think four years ago, and I remember sitting in a meeting in, at the ICA show, this is four years ago, because we're, we're, we're on the cycle now, we're going to have the ICA show again uh, in Amsterdam. I keep saying we, and it's not we anymore, because I'm not on the ICA board, so I got to <laughs> remember not to say we. ICA, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a proud member of the ICA, so I guess I could continue saying we. But I remember sitting in a meeting talking about club programs and talking about frequency and talking about, you know, do low prices encourage frequency or not? And it's when the light bulb kind of came on for me when we were talking about, you know, pricing and about clubs, that clubs is going to be the, the future uh, of car washing. It's going to be a big part of what we do. And that was four years ago. And, you know, and, and I think we, we had a club and I think we were only washing maybe 350. We had about 350 members per, per, per site. And, uh, and I, you know, and again, I was around some really smart people, some really good people who had kind of thought through this whole process. And that's why I think we started seeing the mega trend back then, you know, you could talk to five people and four of them would argue with you that clubs are not a good idea. Like you said, it's too cheap. Uh, you're giving away washes, but I think most people now I'd say eight out of 10 realize that they've got to have a club program, if nothing else to compete. Um, you know, our, our washes had great volume. And I thought, well, I just need a club program so I can check that box. But then when I started learning about it, I really made it more of a strategic part of our program. Yeah. So I think with everything, with just like with everything, more volume, right? It, go back to the car wash business. You know, it wasn't that long ago that 60,000 cars a year was kind of the average. Right. Car wash, right. Um, and, you know, if you did to over 200,000, if you did over 150,000 cars, 
you know, even going back five, six years ago, when I got into this business in 2005, anybody over a hundred thousand cars, man, they were the elite of the elite. Right. You know, and as volume, as volume grew and now, you know, you hear people, but if you're not doing a hundred thousand cars, you're not making it right. So this thing has shifted. And, and with all of those things, with increased volume, with increased customers, just like on the unlimited program, the management of it, and maybe the problems that exist inside of the RFID technology, the things that frustrate people just expanded. Yeah. yeah. They, they always existed. You know, it just used to be you deal, you were dealing with it once a month. Now you're dealing with it twice a day because you went from 300 members to 6,000 members. Yeah, you know? yeah, you're dealing with it 10 times a day or whatever. So let's talk right. about what, what are the two prevailing technologies that are out there? So the, the, the big thing we've got to do as operators, right, is we've got to be able to identify the vehicle, identify the member. And there are two ways that, that are out there. Do you want to describe them real quick? Well, RFID, radio frequency, which is a sticker or a transponder of some sort in a windshield. Yeah. So if you, if you, if you look at that, so what, what are some other tools that use RFIDs? What are some other? Around here, E470, tollways, you know, prepaid tollways use RFID technology. Right. Um, garage, uh, parking garages use RFID type technology. Right. Um, those kinds of places. I can't think of any others. Do you? No, I think at this yeah. point, yeah, those, those are kind of the, the two big ones. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's either a transponder, a big box, like the old toll tags here in, in Colorado were big boxes. And now they've gone to just stickers. So if you look at that sticker closely, if you're not familiar with them, I'm sure most people that are listening are familiar with them, but if you look at them, they've got, uh, they've got a circuit in them and they've got wiring in them. And then that chip transmits a number is essentially what it does. Uh, okay. And it's typically a sticker on your car. There's other, we're finding RFIDs in other areas now, but so the, the other prevalent technology is what? LPR, license LPR. plate, rec license plate recognition. Okay. LPR is short for that. Um, and that is a technology where a camera and you're starting to see uh, tollways move towards this where, you know, uh, they recognize your license plate, trace it back to the owner and send you your toll bill. Um, but LPR, license, uh, license plate recognition, a camera somewhere on the property that recognizes and knows that license plate number as a club member and ties it to a certain wash. Yeah, yeah, which is, which is interesting. So the license plate recognition technology, and we're seeing that, you know, lots of different places. Toll roads are probably the most prevalent. You know, but one thing I just thought about, Aaron, is, you know, toll roads use a combination of both. So we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll have to explore that. But they use both RFIDs and, and license plate recognition technologies in them. But so those those are the prevailing technologies right now. Probably the majority of car washes out there probably use RFID technologies. And that's probably why during the poll, <laughs> there's a lot of people that think license plate recognition technology is going to be the future. So let's let's talk about the advantages. What are some of the because we're all frustrated right now, right? We're, we all don't have the perfect solution, and so we automatically think the other technology is going to solve all our problems. Grass is always greener on the other side. Grass is always greener. So let's talk about what are the advantages of RFID technology. You know, I think one of the advantages is that it's reliable. 
Um, there's, there's typically high read rates. Um, you know, I think, I think you're into the 98, 99% read rate. Uh, so I think it's a very reliable technology. It's been around long enough. Um, another one is that it's controllable. There's some, uh, security associated with it in that your attendant in the car wash industry specifically, your attendant can place it in the car and it's very difficult to remove these stickers and keep them intact. So there's some, there's some controls and some, some safety there. Uh, it's standardized. There's, there's a transponder and there's a reader. Um, and it's pretty simple equipment. Right. And, um, so that, the, 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 those are some of the advantages. It's, it's, it's proven technology, right? It's, it's been yep. out there for a while, so it's, it's pretty proven. So what, what are some, what do you find to some of you, some of the disadvantages of RFIDs? One that's relatively new, uh, windshield technology is. Yeah, absolutely. Is, is making a lot of people frustrated. Um, and you know, I'm not a, I'm not a windshield guy, but I know there are certain windshields now I think Tesla and Mercedes are kind of the two big ones that I know of where there's a specific area that you have to place this RFID sticker or it won't read through the windshield. Right. Um, yeah, yeah so, I can't, I can't get, I've got a Tesla and I cannot get an RFID tag to work with it on the inside. Yeah. So, uh, so that's, that's one uh, high cost per sticker you know, or, or tag, however you want to say it, you know, these things are what around $2 a piece. Yeah. Two to three bucks, I think is what we're, yeah. you know, what we might be paying for them or, you know, yeah. And so that cost again, you know, you're, when you were at 300 members, you know, you, you didn't notice when somebody had to replace their windshield or got a new car or, um, so whatever happened to the sticker, right. You didn't notice that cost, but when you have 6,000 members, you seem like you're always running out of, out of these tags. And so keeping them in stock and the cost to keep them has become a frustration. And I think the last one that probably is very frustrating is the administrative cost. Right. Keeping, you know, having someone in your company at this point that is just solely designated to administrative of is this tag associated with this car does this person need to cancel? Do we need to remove that tag? You know, all of the things that go with these kinds of programs, administrative cost is a big one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we, we've had people here, here's a couple others that, that are pretty interesting. We've had people come to our car washes with other RFID tags from other car washes, <laughs> just absolutely convinced that they got the tag here and they should be able to wash their car. So again, you know, the tag sometimes makes people feel like, uh, you know, the, our car wash is the same. We've had other RFID tags read too. So my manager was talking yesterday about a situation where he had a customer that would read an RFID number and it wasn't even in the series of RFID numbers that we've got at our car wash. And he found on the windshield an old RFID. The guy had scraped it off, but part of it was still there, right? So the actual circuitry was still there. And it was reading that RFID that was down on the left-hand bottom side of his window and when he covered it up on the windshield, the, the RFID tag read and he was fine. So you can get confused with RFID tags. I remember when we first started 
our program here, uh, the, our POS provider had not considered that we've got RFID tags all over the place in Colorado because of our, our toll road that goes around Denver. And so they had to write a little program to fix the problem. So it, if it read the toll tag RFID, it looked at a quick algorithm and it discounted or discarded that RFID and read the car wash RFID. Interesting. Yeah. 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 So there, there, there was those issues too. Um, you know, the other thing is, is there is some opportunity for gaming the system with RFID tags too. So, you know, we've got people that get kind of creative. Our employees, you know, have not always been consistent in terms of where they put RFID tags, sometimes customers, uh, one of the solutions that have come up that, that our point of sale system talks about is if you can't get it read through the windshield, then put an outside RFID. So this is a RFID tag designed to go on the outside of the windshield. And there's a lot of people that just don't like that. They don't like the look of it. You know, they spend a lot of money in their car. They don't want an outside RFID tag. Uh, we've also uh, put it on the roof of cars sometimes. So we'll put it on uh, if, if somebody has a moonroof sunroof moonroof yep. i guess the same thing you know we, we we would put the rfid tag on the moonroof for the sunroof and sometimes that would read but again sometimes they'd scrape off or they fall off you know if somebody uses a uh a ice scraper um on their window in the winter yeah. they'll pop those things right off you know because they because they're hard they're frozen and they just pop right off if you hit them if you uh, if you hit them uh, just right so you know, the solution of outside RFID tags sometimes don't, you know, is not the best solution. And, and frankly, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put an, RF, an outside RFID tag on my window. So, you know, we're really getting, running into the situation where the windshield is becoming the limiting factor. And as windshield technology increases, there's even like Mercedes-Benz I'm hearing right now has RFIDs embedded in the car and in their windshield um, to identify that car for Mercedes-Benz use. So if you drive in to Mercedes-Benz, you know, an RFID reader will, will tell them everything they need to know about the car through our RFID technology. Well, kind of along those lines, I think one of the others that may, maybe is out there, and I think cars of the future will essentially have their own IP address. Yeah. And, you know, there, there's current, there's technology out there today that um, when your cell phone gets in proximity to something, right, that it pings your cell phone. I think your car will have its own IP address, kind of like your phone, your own, its own system. And yeah, you know, join what, with your car. Yeah, it would be interesting if you could make that RFID number your VIN number, right? Because right. that's, that's a unique number. And if that was your RFID number, boy, that would solve a lot of problems. If, if that technology yeah. was embedded in vehicles, that certainly would be a, terrific advantage for us in the car wash business yeah i think that's one of the future thinking things that's out there but um yeah if they're i mean they're embedding things in windshield it's not far right 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 so so we're, we're all kind of hoping for this license plate recognition technology to really come around so what are some of the advantages of that oh uh, some of the advantages that i think exist are is less administrative work keeping track of inventory, how many stickers, how many of this, do we have enough to, to continue sales to replace? Um, and I'm, I'm, I'll introduce a little bit here of, I think some companies in the industry have done a very good job of associating an app on your phone with LPR. 
Okay. So they're, and the app's design is to push a lot of this administrative work that we just talked about to the customer. Um, and so the two are closely associated. I don't know that they need to be, you know, I think I've told you they're cousins, but they're not necessarily siblings. Okay. And, and an app could be used with RFID, but companies today have done a very good job of associating the two together with LPR. Um, so I think there's just, but in general, there's less administrative work. You don't have to have an attendant place a sticker. You don't have to do some of those kinds of things. There's a lower operating cost. Right. Right. And it, and, and, and to me, you know, again, I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with RFID tag. So this goes back to that grass is always greener. It feels like L, the license plate wrecking technology solves a lot of my problems. I don't have the RFID sticker cost. I don't have to get an employee to get into a car, which I think some people are nervous about. Right. So we get some people that don't want car wash employees to put the sticker in. Um, we get some customers that want, say, well, just give me the sticker and I'll put it into myself, right? Which doesn't work in our program because then sometimes the sticker doesn't make itself on the windshield. It makes it, you know, and gets, becomes a family plan instead of becoming an individual <laughs> vehicle plan. And, you know, there's, there's, there's those, there's a customer problems there. So I'm always thinking that license plate recognition technology is the answer to all my problems. But as you will point out, because you've dealt with license plate recognition technology, what are some of the disadvantages? Uh, one of them is I think there's less control. There's less security measures from from an operator's standpoint. Um, we had now, this so <laughs> this is you know you and I were talking about this earlier, and I was like, I think you're crazy. But well, why don't you go ahead and explain that? Because I it just it just to to me it's it's hard. To me, I feel like there's more. But go ahead and explain what what, what you're thinking when you say there's there's less control. Well, um, when we when we ran our unlimited program uh, at our washes, when we owned them, we used the license plate as the signifier. It wasn't LPR. We manually entered it. Right. And that's how we started every transaction. Well, because I had an attendant, because we manually entered them, a couple of times a month, we would recognize people and different cars with the same license plate. So customers were swapping the license plate to wash their car. Now, okay. the state and the government takes a harder line than we do, and I'm not saying it's it's not a, a crime, but we caught it because we had an attendant. Right, right. This episode of The How of Car Washing is sponsored by Focused Car Wash Solutions. Focused Car Wash Solutions is your complete guide to having a successful business in the car wash industry. Whether you are a new investor, or a seasoned operator looking to make improvements, the experienced team at Focus can help you every step of the way. For more information, please go to focusedcarwash.com. So it, it's interesting that people are, would go to that level to switch license plates, because again, that, that's against the law. If you get stopped by a policeman and you've got a different license plate, I don't know what's going to happen to you. But <laughs> You know, and I, I always think about, well, we, we've had people switch RFID tags, right? So they get yep. creative. They try to scrape it off. They, they laminate. I had somebody, I couldn't believe it. Somebody laminated the RFID tag and had a holder in their windshield. So they created this little holder where the laminated tag can stick in, but, but then it can be removed quickly. And 
I'm like, you got to be kidding me. You went to this, this, this level, you know, to be able to, to, and, and some of the early RFID tags didn't, you know, if you look in RFID tag, it's got, it's got cuts in it. So if you pull it off, it's designed to break away. So it's designed to break that circuit so that that tag can no longer be used. So that's, yep. that's part of the security. That doesn't always work because there are people that have kind of figured out how to get that thing off of there without, uh, you know, and windshield guys will do that too. I think you're probably familiar with that. Yep. We've had windshield when somebody replaces a windshield, those windshield installers are pretty good about trying to help people salvage their tags and they figured out how to get them off a lot of times without breaking that circuit. Yep. So, yeah, so we've, so, we've seen that. So, but it's interesting that you believe that LPR technology has less control than RFID. Well, the, and part of the other reason that I believe that is, again, because, because companies have associated the app with, um, with LPR. Okay. You're pushing that, you're pushing that administrative work down to a consumer and consumers can now sign up through the app by entering their license plate. Okay. So they could actually buy a club. So I'm not familiar with apps because I know there's, there's POS systems that have got them out there. So, so if, if, if you were, if you had a car wash that had, a club program that used license plate recognitions that also use an app. How would you get, would you, how would you advertise or get your customers to sign up for the club? I would do where, what consumers today are doing, download my app and okay. sign up for my program. Okay. And so I, I can put in all the information I need. I could put in my credit card data. I can put in my make model in year of my car. I could put in my license plate information. Yep. And then hit enter, and now I'm a club member. Is that how it works? Yep, pretty much. That's pretty nice. Okay, so again, that goes back to the administrative aspect of this. That virtually eliminates the administrative aspect for people signing up. Yep. Okay, so what's the disadvantage of that? You've pushed that control now to the consumer, and there's not many controls that stop them from changing their license plate on their account. Okay. So they can go in and change their license plate. Okay. So could so they, they change it, it as often as they want to, or would that kind of lock out that? It, to, to me, it would seem like if I created a vehicle, I'd want to lock out that vehicle. And then, you know, I'd lock, I wouldn't allow people to make edits to that vehicle. And I would make them create a new one if in fact they had a change to their vehicle or a change to their license plate. Cause that, that's a pretty rare event, right? That you yep. would, you would change your license plate. Correct. But I, I think this is one of the things that maybe hasn't been thought all the way through with LPR. Okay. Cause, because I agree with you, right? There needs to be some control mechanism. We've either, but you know, again, I bought a new car going back to the administrative work. I'm keeping the same license plate but I need to edit my vehicle because I was driving a 2014 black F-150 and now I'm driving a 2017 tan F-150. Okay. So back to the administrative work, the goal of the app is to reduce your owner operator administrative work. I want that customer to be able to edit their vehicle, change some of these things, right? Update their credit card with a new security code or new, 
uh, expiration date, whatever, whatever it may be. We're pushing that to them. So there has to be some give and take there and what you allow them to do or how often you allow them to do it. And I agree with you. I just don't think that's been completely solidified yet. Yeah. You know what, if, if you said you, I think, you know, I'm a old software guy and I think everything thing's simple, which is my, you know, I was a software sales guy. So I always thought everything was simple, but it seems like you could, you could lock it out. You could lock that vehicle out to say you'd have to create a new vehicle and you'd have to cancel that other one. If you were going to make a change to your vehicle or make a change to your license plate, or you could make a change every 90 days or 180 days. If you're changing your license plate more than that, then you need to come inside. We need to figure out what's going on. Right. And right. They, yeah. So, so I agree with you. Right. I, I think those are some of when I, when I speak of less controls, those are some of the things that I've seen that are out there. And, you know, one of the things going back to what you just said, right. I, I, uh, I'm going to keep the same license plate, but I'm going to move it to a different vehicle. That license plate oftentimes is recognized as the customer. Right. Right. And so if I move it to a different vehicle or if I try to, if I try to cancel that vehicle and then move my same plate to a different vehicle, the technology will say, Hey, you already exist over here. And so I, I just think there's some, there's some software issues that continue to need to be worked through. Right. You know, and I think a lot of these POS companies are kind of catching up uh, with this. Cause I think, I think owner operators are getting ahead of the game here. And I think there's, you know, there's a lot of things that have to be considered with, with clubs, but clubs is such a big part of what we do nowadays. And I don't think a lot, I think some of the POS systems are doing better than others and I'm not complaining necessarily, but um, you know, I don't think, I think most operators feel like there's room for improvement. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the other one, I think uh, lower read rates, lower okay. reliability. Okay. Um, the, the number I'm hearing it's kind of a 90 to 92% read rate on license plates. Okay. And what, what keeps them from being read? Um, camera placement, uh, dirty license plates. Okay, you know, dirty license plates is the biggest one, right? So if you get cars that are totally filthy, that could be problematic. Yep. And then some, you know, recognizing... It, it still exists, right? Recognizing a D versus a zero type, uh, right. a two versus a Z, right? Some of those kinds of things, depending on your state, have a, can affect your read rate. So dirty license plates is the biggest one, I okay. think. Um, so our, our, our reliability there is not as high. And people go, well, that's still you know, 90, 92%. I'd take that all day long when I was in college, right? Well, <laughs> <laughs> you never saw 90 or 92% when you were in college. No, I did not. Uh, <laughs> all right, never mind. Um, but so, you know, that doesn't sound like a lot, but if you're looking at a thousand car a day, that's a, that's 10, that's almost 10%, right? Of your vehicles. That's a hundred or, or 10 cars an hour, that are affecting your processing ability. Right. Uh, so you know, what, what you'd have to do in a case like that, you'd have to have somebody nearby the pay stations, you know, kind of helping people if they got an error message on their license plate, somebody would have to look real quick or have to have a wet bucket with a rag in it so they could wipe the license plate off very quickly to run. So it would require some, some probably some attention um, that would need to be 
we have at that, you know, just, I mean, I think you can kind of, kind of adjust it a little bit, but you know, you'd have to have some, some personnel working on it. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a frustration on a busy day, right? Especially right. for a manager. So, so I think that's one of the things, um, there's no standard plate formats. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So did different states, you know, when you look at Europe, Europe is a lot farther ahead on this. I mean, they have a national plate. If you go to Germany, it's one type of plate, it's one size, it's one color. There's no, you know, there's no vanity plates in, in Europe that I can find. And so <laughs> there's, you know, there's a, they, they've really, you know, they've standardized that and they use license plate recognition technology pretty extensively in Europe for a lot of different reasons. And uh, there's even technology for in-bay automatics in Europe where they use license plate recognition technology and they're just easier to read. Yeah. And, but even in the state of Colorado, I mean, you call them vanity plates, right? But um, there's one, if you want to support trout fishing, there's one, if you want to support elk hunting, there's one, if you want to support the veterans, there's the standard Colorado license plate. There's one, if you want to support wildflowers, right? And, all of these things have different colors and, and, and a little bit different format. So I think a no, non, non-standard plate format hurts some of the re- reliability as yeah, well. Yeah. And I, you know, there, there's also the way they sequence numbers, right? I think right yep. now my plates have three letters and three numbers, yep. but I got a license plate the other day from somebody that had three numbers and three letters. So now they're, they're switching that. And if you go to New Jersey or different States like that, I've seen, five letters, you know, or five number letter combinations. Um, you know, and it's, it's uh, with us, we've got like two, two blocks of data. We got the first three and the second three. And then like you talk about, you know, either the system or a person will sometimes cram that all together into a six digit number. Sometimes they'll make them two, three digit sections. Sometimes it'll be three numbers or letters with a dash and then three numbers or letters with a dash. And so, you know, whether the system or a person, the big problem you had when you were telling me when you were manually doing this was the people inputting it would do it differently. Yeah. Sometimes no space, sometimes with a space. Um, And, but, but even going back to the app or signing up, if you have a a market-based website, customers will enter their plate sometimes with a gap you know with a, with a space sometimes with a hyphen sometimes not and so i wonder yeah but i i wonder if you could control that with with software like you can control you what can. it does right yeah. and if, it, it, it ended up being an easy fix for yeah. the for the software you know but in the meantime it created a lot of headaches right and so um some of these things that I think we're going to talk about, David, are they're very easy to solve, at least in my mind and your mind, probably. Um, but they're they until you find them. And I think probably the point of this conversation is you, sometimes you don't know what you don't know. Right. And so as we enter into this new technology and you want to be an early adopter in it, you you're entering into something that you don't know yet. Yeah. And, and we're also kind of our, you know, we're kind of on the canoe rolling down the river of technology. And so, yeah. you know, the, these are techno- technological issues that we don't always control. And we might see some interesting technology come out in the next three to five years that we haven't even thought of. Yeah. Right. So, 
And, and now the last thing on LPR is just, you feel like there's just a lot more equipment problems. Yeah. I, I think there's more things to diagnose, you know, um, when, when it doesn't work, was it the camera? Was it the, was it the point of sale? Was it the gate? Was it the consumer? There's more diagnosing points. And so I just think with this one, there's more equipment, which equals more equipment to go wrong and break. Yeah. Yeah. And see, and I, I would say it's not anymore because we still have issues with RFID antennas. So RFID antennas, for whatever reason, do go out, you know, they go out, they get out of tune. Um, you know, if they're not pointed exactly in the right spot, they can be problematic if they're, if they're tuned too low. So they're not getting a, enough reads. Um, you know, it won't read a, a, a perfectly decent RFID tag. Um, if it's, if it, the antennas are turned up too high, it'll read the car behind it and the car next to it. <laughs> so sometimes you get free washes that way. And so, you know, my feeling is RFID antennas, you know, there's, there's still, we still have some of the same issues as far as equipment, you know, to trying to make sure it works properly and all that. But, so if you were to kind of design your own, you know, what, what, what would be the best solution out there? If, if you could start from scratch? You know, I think, well, I don't know. That's an interesting question because I think it is at today, it's probably a combination so that we achieve the reliability and the read rates and the processing speed of RFID. Um, but the, the customer friendliness of some kind of LPR program. And I don't know how those two go together. You know, I'll, you, you've mentioned it about windshields and I have a toll road RFID sticker and my windshield needs replaced. And I'm reluctant to replace my windshield because I don't want to have to deal with 470 and RFID sticker. Really? So, okay. Yeah. You know, it, 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 I get it. It's not a customer friendly, you know, experience. Yeah. Yeah. I think the best solution would be if the car could come up, if the car industry could come up with a common way yeah. to communicate what the car is. So if, if the, yeah. they had built in RFID technology or yeah. if they had microchips or whatever it is to communicate, to, to radiate out there that this is this car and here's their VIN number, I think that'd be super. I think that that would be a great solution. And that's something we might see in the future. I mean, that, that might, you know, this whole, we'll be laughing about the days when we stuck stickers in windows and we, we were trying to read people's license plates, you know? Yeah. I, so, I, you know, as autonomous cars come, you know, those kinds of things. We, we've talked other podcast or other, other places we've talked about autonomous car parking lots. Yeah. You know, and things like that. And, um, they already know, right? So, so some of this technology exists, but I agree with you. The, the best solution would be that the car is recognized on the lot. Yeah, yeah. And it's Somehow. irrespective of license plate, RFID, driver, anything. Because it's, it, it would be a perfect solution. Yeah, I, I do like the idea of a mobile app. So that's one thing that I, you were talking about, I think is, is a good idea. If we can get customers to self-serve you know, and sign up themselves, that would be a tremendous advantage for us. Well, we, we've, we probably have some of that technology. It's not app-based, but I think, I think apps are, are a good idea. Well, I think it's the way, I think associated with LPR and associated with some of these things, right? You look at um, current generations, young generations, 
everything they do is based on an app. Right. Right. And, you know, um, they won't know how to, how to do anything other than that. And so, but you know, right now, one of the problems with the current apps out there and some of the things that are going on, um, now you're managing two or three point of sale platforms. Okay. Uh, and so that's created, it's created another issue where if you want to change your pricing, you have to change it in your point of sale. You may have to change it on your market based website and you have to change it in the app. Um, keeping up with the uh, operating systems of Apple and Android, your app has to do that or it becomes out of date and won't work anymore. So again, we're, we're back to, there's some things that make life easier, but there's some problems in there that we haven't thought about yet. Yeah. So if people were, were thinking about doing a club or sort of ramping up their club, what would be two or three things you would recommend that they do? You know, I would recommend that they get as informed as possible. You know, I think one of the things you're, you're bent towards the grass is greener on the LPR side. Um, one of the things I always tell my customers, there's probably no right or wrong decision at this point. There's information for you to gather so that you understand what you're purchasing and, and knowing as best to, as your ability, knowing what problems you're buying. Um, so get informed, um, ask questions from some of the topics that we've talked about today, read rates. Are you going to go with an app? Or are you going to go with a mobile ready website? You know, how are you going to try to manage your customers? I think just knowing you as long as I've known you and, and some of the discussions we had early on about your unlimited program. One of the things that most people don't, don't consider enough is the administrative work. Yeah. So understand what you're getting into in the administrative work. And then it changes the way you look at your business. You know, it used to be five years ago, everybody said, what's your what, what's your ticket per wash? And that was the big, one of the big things that people would say, well, you're, you're washing a car for $2. Well, you know, with, with an unlimited program or $3 and an unlimited program changes the way you look at the car wash industry and you have to be prepared for that. Yeah, absolutely. I think it really does. And I think you've got to consider these are programs. If you're going to be successful with an unlimited program, you just can't throw it up as an addition. You got to plan for it. You've got to focus on the administration of that because there is a lot of administration effort. Um, that have got to be in now that you're dealing with customers, you're dealing with, you know, signing them up, changing their vehicle, canceling them. There's a lot of work associated with that. You know, people calling you up wanting to, hey, I didn't, well, I didn't realize I signed up for a monthly club. You've been charging me for 12 months. You got to figure out what to do with that. There's a lot of things focused around that. If you don't have staff in place to help with that, either at the site level, so a lot of car washes now will have a person dedicated to clubs. So that person's dedicated to selling clubs. They're dedicated, they're dedicated to doing the administration for the clubs at that site. That's one way to approach it. Or you can have dedicated administrative people at a central office if you want. I think those things, you know, you got to consider those things. So don't, don't go into this lightly. Pick, pick the horse. You're going to be on that horse for a while because the switching cost of an RFID, it used to be, when you and I did this before clubs, if we wanted to switch POS providers, it was some effort, but it wasn't the end of the world. Now, if you want to switch RFID provide, you know, POS systems, 
that includes switching, you know, RFID technology, you've got to deal with how many of your hundreds or thousands of customers you have to get them to convert to a new system. So, you know, the switching costs are virtually, you know, insurmountable for you to change POS systems. So if you pick one, that's the one you're going to be with for a while. Yeah. The financial uh, pitfall to you not receiving your unlimited income would be significant, wouldn't it? To switch. Yeah. 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 And, and it, it would just, it would take a massive amount of manpower to, yeah. to, to figure out, you know, to make the switch, you know, you, you'd have to talk to every customer for months, you know, before you got everybody switched out. So just, just take that into consideration as you do it. Yeah. Any other final thoughts, Aaron, on this subject? No, I think it's fascinating where, where it's headed. Uh, the discussion that comes with it. I think your poll was fascinating this morning. Yeah. If you're not on hot car wash, there's, there's always some good information, but I, th I think, it, I think it's fascinating. I think it'll be interesting and it will be interesting to see if we end up mitter curtain versus top brush type line in the sand. Yeah. World. Right. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I, I think it'll be interesting. I think it's going to be fascinating and it will be interesting to see we're headed to the car wash show next week. It will be very interesting to see what point of sale companies are doing. Some that we thought were behind to catch up and some that um, are maybe redoing or rethinking when we thought they were further ahead. So yeah, it'll yeah, be no doubt. Yeah. So the, the answer to all this is stay tuned. You know, it's, it's yeah. evolving. So Aaron, thanks for joining me on this episode. We'll talk about another subject here in a little bit, but appreciate you being on and uh, talking this with me. Uh, we, we talk about this over the phone, so it's always good to talk about it and record it, but appreciate your time. I appreciate you having me, David. Thank you. Yeah. So thanks for joining this episode of the How of Car Washing. We appreciate it. And we are found on a lot of different places now. So if you're listening to us on iTunes or Stitcher, if you're an Android user, we also are on Spotify now and Google Play. So if you like those particular platforms, you can find the How of Car Washing on that. We'd love for you to go to our website at thehowofcarwashing.com, leave a comment. Let us know if you've got any ideas on future episodes. And if you can leave us a rating on Stitcher or iTunes, we'd love that as well. So your host, David Begin, thanks for joining me. We'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The How of Car Washing. Thank you for listening to The How of Car Washing. For more information, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofcarwashing.com and leave us a comment if you have a topic you would like discussed. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to having you next time on The How of Car Washing.